All right, good morning. I thank Pastor for this opportunity to preach this morning and thank God too that he's given me the ability. Well, maybe not, but anyway, we'll see what, we'll see what happens. Um, this morning, the topic of our message is doing right in your own eyes. And uh, Judges chapter 17, 6, part of the um, passage that Dave read for us, thanks for that. It says, in those days, there was no king in Israel, but every man did that which was right in his own eyes. I've always enjoyed reading the book of Judges. As a young boy, the stories of Gideon and his 300 men that defeated the Midianite host, and uh, Deborah and Barak, and then uh, Jael, who put the tent peg through the general Sisera's head. I don't know if you've read that story, but that's another interesting one. Um, and also, you think of... Um, Ehud, and he was a left-handed guy, and he, he stabbed a really fat king, and he lost his knife inside of his guts. So just for a young fella, those stories were just awesome, way better than Netflix and things like that. <clears throat> but, um, and those stories, were all, they were excitement, and they, were, and, they were, and they still actually hold that value for me. I still love reading the Book of Judges. In fact, I can actually remember as a, as a young boy, maybe the sermon got a bit long, I would probably flick across the Judges or Kings and read a few interesting stories to, to pass the time. Um, so I find um, Judges much more interesting than, say, Ezekiel or Leviticus. Sorry, Pastor. <laughs> <clears throat> but these obscure passages, which are very interesting, there's got to be more value to it than just interest. And... And because Judges is full, of, is full of these obscure passages, and they also seem to end without resolution, uh, and, or a satisfactory ending, in my opinion. So what we need to do is study a bit deeper to find out what the story, why it's there for. And what I've learned about digging deeper is that there is a practical outworking, and it's not just entertainment value. The Apostle Paul tells us in Romans 15:4, for whatsoever things were written aforetime, were written for our learning, that we, through patience and comfort of the Scriptures, might have hope. So what hope does the book of Judges give us today? It's been said that every single person can teach you something, sometimes how you should act and sometimes how you shouldn't act. Um, and there seems to be a whole lot of examples in Judges of what not to do, that's for sure. And that's because the key verse, 17.6, every man was doing right in their own eyes. So, once again, thanks, Dave, for reading that passage. Uh, and it, it's one of those ones that, uh, you know, I've read heaps of times. Then I forget that it's there. Then I'll read it again. And I'm like, oh, what is this story about? But then I'll forget to study it deeper. But this time I actually got a chance to actually look into it. And I'm glad I did. I'll just pray now to start up. Heavenly Father, I pray that as we look into your word today, that you'll help me to be able to communicate effectively uh, what your Bible holds for us. I pray, Father, that uh, the, our hearts would be fertile and would be receptive of the things that you've got for us. I pray, Lord, that um, we would never forget you and all that you've done for us. I thank you for your word. I thank you for the wisdom that it contains, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that we give you all the glory from anything that good that comes from this morning. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So this is most likely an unfamiliar passage. It wouldn't surprise me if it's the first time you've even you know, read that story or remembered reading it, because it is a very interesting one. And some, it's got a lot of questions that we just can't seem to understand or to be able to answer them. And uh, so in, in modern day terms, basically, we see here that Micah and his mum, he heard his mum cursing because someone had taken 1,100 shekels of silver that was hers. 
And, you know, this gnawed at him because he was the one that took it. So he confessed to his mother and he restored all the silver. A Hebrew shekel at that time is, is worth 0.4 of an ounce today. So 1,100 shekels of silver was 440 ounces. Uh, so that's worth about 12,000 US dollars, 17,000 Australia today. Is, that's what he took from his mum. So he'd taken quite a bit from his mum and she was very grateful Hence her reply, blessed, you know, blessed of the Lord are you. I think her response would have been a little bit different if he confessed, but he said he spent it all somehow. But <clears throat> and this is where things get really curious, because then what she does, she gives 200 of those shekels to the founder, so a guy who works with molten metal and things like that, and he makes idols. Um, now, there's no doubt about that. This is in direct disobedience to the Bible. This was, this was commanded against clearly. Exodus 23 says... Thou shalt have no other gods before me. And verse 4 says, Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. So there's no doubt about it, that was wrong to do what they did there. And not only that, these molten, it says there that we saw Micah had a house of gods. So these new molten images that he had made were now added to his house of gods. So he had other gods. And then he went on to consecrate a son, one of his sons, to be a priest of this house. We are definitely now out of sync with God and his laws. A house of gods, no doubt, is a no-no, and priests were meant to be Levites, not just anyone that you chose to do it. So the key verse again, Judges 17.6, In those days there was no king in Israel, but every man did that which was right in his own eyes. So after, after um, he does this, a Levite happens to be sojourning through the land, and he's travelling around, and he uh, stops in at Micah's place. So Micah makes him an offer he can't refuse. He offers him, he offers him food, lodging, and some pay to stay on at his, as his own personal priest. He was doing right in his own eyes. He was thinking he was all good and that God was pleased with this. And because he was happy, he assumed God was happy. And then in the next chapter, we start to see what unfolds from, uh, from what happens after this. I'm not going to read the whole chapter because it's a lot longer, but I'll give you a brief rundown of the first part of the chapter and then we'll read from chapter 16 onwards. So up to, the, um, up to verse 16, what had happened was Micah is now all set up with his house of gods. He's got his priest. He's happy. And there happened to be uh, five, five uh, men from the children of Dan who were spying out areas that they could um, try and settle. So basically these... These, um, these Danites hadn't claimed their inheritance yet and they're looking for a place to live. So they're roaming around just trying to find a, a city that they could maybe take over and you know, get rid of the people and take over it. And on their journey, they visited Micah and they asked his priests to check with God, you know, are they on the right track? And Micah's, Micah's priest, yep, you're on the right track, off you go. And straight after that, they find this little city and uh, they think, perfect, this is exactly what we want. So they go back, get the rest of their tribe, get the rest of their village or their family, and on their way, coming back to take the city, they come back to Micah's house again. And 
now they've, they've come back to Micah and they've got 600 men now. And because they had the advantage, they're going to take what they want from Micah. So they figured that this priest that Micah had and his gods had helped them. So they've decided they're going to take his priest and their gods. Uh, and we'll look from verse 16, Judges 18, and from verse 16 I'll read on. And the 600 men appointed with their weapons of war, which were children of Dan, stood by the entering of the gate. That's Micah's gate. And the five men that went to spy out the land went up and came in thither and took the graven image and the ephod and the teraphim and the molten image. And the priests stood in the entering of the gate with the 600 men that were appointed with weapons of war. And these went into Micah's house and fetched the carved image and the ephod and the teraphim and the molten image. And said unto the and the priest said, then said the priest unto them, What do ye? And they said unto him, Hold thy peace, lay thine hand upon thy mouth, and go with us, and be to us a father and a priest. Is it better for thee to be a priest unto the house of one man, or that thou be a priest unto a tribe and a family in Israel? And the priest's heart was glad, and he took the ephod and the teraphim and the graven image and went in the midst of the people. So they turned and departed and put the little ones and the cattle and the carriage before them. And when they were a good way from the house of Micah, the men that were in the houses near to Micah's house were gathered together and overtook the children of Dan. And they cried unto the children of Dan, and they turned their faces and said unto Micah, What aileth thee? Why that thou comest with such a company? And he said, Ye have taken away my gods which I made, and the priest, and ye are gone away. What more have I what and what have I more? And what is this that ye say unto me, what aileth thee? And the children of Dan said unto him, Let not thy voice be heard among us, lest angry fellows run upon thee, and thou lose thy life and the lives of thy household. And the children of Dan went their way. And when Micah saw that they were too strong for him, he, t he turned and went back into his house. If you now go to verse 30. And the children of Dan set up the graven image. And Jonathan, the son of Gershom, the son of Manasseh, he and his sons were priests to the tribe of Dan until the day of the captivity of the land. And they set, <clears throat> and they set them up Micah's graven image, which he made all the time that the house of God was in Shiloh. So Micah loses his, his images and he loses his, he loses his priest. His perfect little setup was shattered and there was absolutely nothing he could do about this now. He tried grabbing a few of his neighbours and chasing after these 600, but they were far too strong for him. So he left the 600 men and he went home empty-handed. And this is where the story ends. We hear no more about Micah. We hear no more about the 600 Danites who stole his priests and his idols. So what points are there for us to get from this passage? Why is it that Micah... His mother, his priest, and the Danites seem to do what they want, contrary to God's laws, and seemingly get away with it. So we know that no one gets away with disobedience, but when the Bible doesn't give you the ending, you think, oh, what happened there? So let's see what we can learn, some points from this passage. My first point is unbridled freedom will always end in destruction. Our key verse states that there was no king in Israel. The context of this statement means that there's no authority, there's no government, no lawmakers, no enforcer of the laws, no courts. Everyone was doing as they pleased. Man will never do right when he is given this unbridled freedom. Ecclesiastes 8.11 says, Because sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily, therefore the heart of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil. 
Micah, he seemed to have it all together here. He had money, he had his personal priest, he had a house of idols and ready-made gods and it all suited his lifestyle perfectly. And we see this attitude in, in verse 13 of 17. He says, Then said Micah, Now know I that the Lord will do me good, seeing I have a Levite to my priest. But this freedom that Micah had, it was contrary to the commandments of God. God, uh, Micah was not living according to the word of God. He was not allowed to have idols. That was very clear. That was the first commandment. He was not allowed to make graven and molten, Im molten images of any description. The priest should have been a Levite. In fact, Micah was supposed to go to Shiloh and worship there because that's where the tabernacle and the ark of God was. The presence of God was in Shiloh. It says that in verse 31 of 18, all that time the house of God was in Shiloh. So Micah thought it was just too much to worship God the way that God wanted it done. And in his freedom, he did that which was right in his own eyes, but this was an abomination in the eyes of God. In his own strength, when he loses it, he tries to reclaim it all back and only to fail and to be outpowered by another group of men. Just like us today, when we think we can make our own gods, <clears throat> if we are serving anyone other than the God of the Bible, we are on the path to spiritual destruction and much unhappiness here on earth. Today we set up other gods because we can't be bothered doing it the way that God wants it done, the way that he commands in the word. We skip church at will, instead of obeying the commandments not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. The God of sport comes first for many of us. If not sport, it's the God of recreation or the God of work or the God of friends or the God of anything but the real God of the Bible. Just like Micah had freedom to do it his way, we also had the freedom to do it our way. But be warned, if you do it in your way, you're guaranteed to end in destruction. Your spiritual walk will be destroyed. Your relationships with sound Christian friends will be eaten away. Your personal values and personal convictions, they will be wide-handed. Your joy that only comes from doing things God's way will be eroded. And that is why we have precepts and guidelines in the Bible to keep us from destroying ourselves with this freedom. God knew we needed his boundaries. So be sure we're not removing the boundaries set up for our own protection. And this is not for our own protection only. It's also for the protection of our loved ones and the people around us. Your, your actions affect more than just yourself. Micah also convinced the Levite to act in an ungodly way and defile himself. He should have been serving the true God in Shiloh and serving the whole nation of Israel, not just not in a house of gods for one man alone. It was going to cost Micah money and time and separation from his family to worship correctly at Shiloh. But this was a cost he was not willing to pay, so he set up his own God, he set up his own system. To do things God's way will also cause us self-denial today. It can be trying, it can be a test to give financially. It can, be, it can be trying, it can be a test to also fast and things like that. Pleasing God can be a test. But many people today make this mistake of Micah. They think that they can worship God as, as acceptably in their own way as in God's way. And in thinking there's no difference between the man-made and God's way. And this is a big mistake and it does have consequences that affect you and the people around you. In Micah's case, his selfishness defeated itself, as it does every time. He departed from God-given ways, and he soon came to have nothing at all. Don't think it'll be different for you. I can just see the picture of Micah running after his gods and running after his renegade priests, and he's crying, you've taken away my gods and my priests, what more have I? His ways, instead of God's ways, cost him everything in his eyes. He had nothing left. 
What a pitiful state to be in when your circumstances changing like this makes you think you've lost everything. That's why God needs to be your everything. Because he will always remain despite your circumstances. Proverbs 14.12 says, There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Unbridled freedom will always end in your destruction. This is the first thing that we can learn from this obscure passage. We must observe and do the commandments of the Bible God's way. Point number two is we can't rely on the spirituality of others to carry us. Judges 17.13 says, Then said Micah, Now know I that the Lord will do me good, seeing I have a Levite to my priest. Self-satisfaction here it just abounds. With his young priests, with his heathen gods, Michael was satisfied. And because you know, he's as happy as a piggy mud, he thinks that God's pleased with him too. This is why he could utter so presumptuously that now I know the Lord will do me good, seeing I have a Levite to my priest. We see this same thing over and over in our day today, even in our church. People of all ages, depending on the church or its ministries for their spirituality instead of their own walk with the Lord. And this dependence causes problems for that person and also for the people that they're putting these expectations on. Sometimes they even think that they may be because they're gifted, that equals spirituality. And this is also another wrong, wrong assumption. Sometimes our congregations, as congregations, we can expect our pastor or other leaders to feed us, to entertain us, to keep us informed, to protect us, to warn us, but definitely don't convict us or offend us. And we want all this in a quick 20-minute message. We become as the children of Israel after the death of Joshua and the elders. Judges 2.7 says, And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders that outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great works of the Lord and he did, that he did for Israel. So the people did right while they had their godly leaders guiding them. They were not, however, building up their own walk with the Lord, and that was soon to be tested. And it says um, in Judges 2.10, And also all that generation were gathered unto their fathers, and there arose another generation after them which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. And their own lack of grounding was found out as soon as temptation came their way. Because when we look at Judges chapter 2.13-15, it says, And they forsook the Lord, and they served Baal and Ashtaroth. And the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel, and he delivered them into the hand of the spoilers that spoiled them. And he sold them into the hands of their enemies round about, so that they could not any longer stand before their enemies. Whithersoever they went out, the hand of the Lord was against them for evil, as the Lord had said, and as the Lord had sworn unto them, and they were greatly distressed. So that's the result of doing things your own way. The truth is, there is only one way of securing God's blessing, whether for a person, a family, or a church. And that one way is loving and faithful obedience to his commands and requirements. It's not what we think, but it's what he thinks. It's not what we like best, but it's what he commands. This is our duty. Ecclesiastes 12.13 says, Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Husband and wife, you can't expect your spouse, spiritual walk and prayer life to carry you. Children, you can't rely on your parents to carry you for your whole life. Youth group, young adults, mums, dads, charge keepers, your friends who are spiritual can't take you further with God. We must do this directly with God ourselves. It's excellent to have godly people as your friends supporting us, 
and the Bible strongly encourages this. But they can only help so much, and your walk with God is reliant on you doing the thing God commands yourself. Psalms 119.9 says, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. Verse 11 says, Thy word have I hid in my heart, that I might not sin against thee. 114 says, Thou art my hiding place and my shield. I hope in thy word. These verses are very clear. A strong relationship with God is a personal responsibility. And the second thought that we get from Judges 17.13 is that when we do things that we think are right, we then expect God to do us good. Then said Micah, now I know that the Lord will do me good. He just presumptuously says something because he thinks he's, got, he's ticked one box there. He's, got, he's now got a Levite as his priest. He's set. This is completely inappropriate to think that we can defile the precepts and commandments given in his word and then expect the Lord God to bless those deeds. The opposite will happen. Your sin is deceiving yourself and your heart is being hardened because of your disobedience. The only outcome of expecting God to bless you when you trample his commandments in a lifestyle of selfishness is destruction, unhappiness and desperation. God cannot and will not ever bless sin. He hates sin. Remember, we can't rely on the spirituality of others to get us through life. And the third point is Christians out of God's will tend to bring others down to their level. And this point brings us to the Danites, those 600. Judges 18.1 says, In those days there was no king in Israel, and in those days the tribe of the Danites sought them an inheritance to dwell in. For unto that day all their inheritance had not fallen unto them among the tribes of Israel. This is interesting because the Danites had been given their inheritance. Joshua had divided the land and the boundary lines had all fallen to the children of Israel. And based on the last census, on the last census which was held at the time of Joshua, uh, the population of the Danites was given and there was more than enough room for that population. So there was enough room for these Danites. There was no need for them to be looking around land. The bulk of the tribe of Dan was where they should be, but not this 600 men with their families. They were the problem. They had been driven out themselves by the Canaanites. They had not taken in faith what God had given them, so they were harassing others who were in their rightful place. Judges 134 says, and the Amorites forced the children of Dan into the mountain, for they would not suffer them to come down into the valley. <clears throat> so why had this happened to these Danites? This particular group of the Danites were faithless and they were forced back by the Amorites and they were probably forced back into another area where there was already people living, so there was no room for them. So what they were doing is they're just roaming around other areas in other people's areas trying to find a place to settle instead of getting right with God in faith and claiming what God had actually given them. They did not want to do the hard work of sacrificially living for God and acting in faith. They preferred living by sight and having a look, look around what was working for others and just taking that instead of maintaining their own walk with the Lord, enjoying the blessings of, that comes with that. They were just wanting their inheritance to fall into their laps. And if that doesn't happen, take it from someone else who's worked for it. Just like some Christians today who want to feel more comfortable in their sin, convince others to sin as well. And they convince others to lower their standards down to their level. They claim to be children of God, but they treat their brethren wrongly and God is not pleased. God is not pleased when so-called Christians defile others. Look what Jesus says about those who mislead others. Matthew chapter 23, verse 13. 
But woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. For ye neither go in yourselves, neither suffer ye them that are entering to go in. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye devour widows' houses, and for a pretense make long prayer. Therefore shall ye receive the greater damnation. Woe unto you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye compass sea and land to make one proselyte, and when he is made, ye make him twofold more a child of hell than yourself. This is heavy stuff, and I don't want to be, and you don't want to be counted among people who have hindered others in their walk with the Lord. If you have a problem with a church or someone in the church, then you need to sort it out directly. You don't go around whispering and separating others and causing division. This is grave sin. First Timothy 5.12 says, Having damnation because they cast off their first faith, and withal they learn to be idle, wandering about from house to house, and not only idle, but tattlers also and busybodies, speaking things which they ought not to. If you have issues with another brother or another sister, then you see them about it and you handle it like the Bible commands. Gathering a group of like-minded, weak brethren together to take someone out is not biblical and you will not be blessed in those deeds. You will be miserable, you will be unhappy, and you will be dealt with by God. If you are unhappy with your lot, if you are unhappy with your Christian life, then you need to get working on it and get right with God. Repent, confess, and start doing what you know is right. Stop blaming others, stop making excuses, stop spreading rumours with the goal of bringing others down to your level or to elevate yourself. You don't help yourself, you don't help the people you're complaining with uh, when all you do is air your grievances and make no steps to fix the problem God's way. The Danites knew that they should be worshipping and sacrificing at Shiloh. They knew where their allocated land was and they knew who they should be driving out instead of taking things violently from their brethren. But they don't care because they don't have a real genuine relationship with their father. It doesn't bother them to degrade his standards, to disrespect his gifts and to deal treacherously with his children. If we are acting like this today, perhaps we might not even be a real child of God. And this is what worldly Christians do today. When they see another Christian happily serving and faithfully serving in their place in church, they need to upset the apple cart. Instead of repenting and getting right themselves, they bring others down to their level and make them a twofold child of hell. Proverbs 24.15 says, Lay not wait, a wicked man, against the dwelling of the righteous. Spoil not his resting place. People who are out of the will of God will always tend to bring others down with them. <clears throat> so I've only scraped the surface of all the lessons that we could take from this passage. There's many more lessons to be learnt from all the people in this event. There are, there are not too many good examples here, uh, and this is a clear warning to us today if we're going to choose to do things right in our own eyes and not what God commands us to do. And just because no judgment seems to be falling upon any of these people or these groups of people, you can rest assured they receive the fruits of their actions. God guarantees um, what you sow, you will reap. And there is no doubt these people receive the fruit of their actions. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. And he that soweth to his spirit shall of the spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. That was Galatians 6, 7-10. We don't want to be like Micah and firstly steal from those closest to us, his mum, 
uh, and then create our own gods, our own system of worshipping. And when we have done this ourselves, we then convince others to do the same, like he did to the Levite. Michael was not bothered to travel to Shiloh and worship as he should. He wanted a convenient life where the things of God did not cost him and did not inconvenience him. He was a fair-weather Christian, and in the end, he lost the false religion he had created to people more wicked than himself. This was a wasted life that displeased God. Secondly, we don't want to be led astray so easily like this Levite was. He had his rightful place in Shiloh, serving the whole nation and being a blessing to many. But instead, he was led astray by a selfish man and reduced to a pagan priest presiding over pagan idols. The only good thing I can see in this Levite was he had a bit of a servant-like attitude and he was content. But this might just be evidence of his laziness because as soon as a better offer came along, off he went with the Danites. So be careful that we are not tempted to do what may seem like a better offer elsewhere and all it does is lead you further from the will of God. Most frighteningly, you don't want to be associated with people who are so far out of the will of God that you negatively affect those who are trying to serve him and force them down to your level with your words and your actions. The Danites here were so far out of their place and they were desperately trying to seek a place to settle down that they were taking people out left, right and centre doing it. They refused to live in faith and claim what God had already given them. God has given us clear directions on how we should live in his word. He has mercifully preserved his word for us to read them, to study them, to learn from them. We have clear directions how we should live and how we should serve God, how we should serve others, how we should treat others, how we should love others, and how we can glorify the one who is worthy of all our praise. But far too many of us have not taken hold of his promises and we languish because of it. Most importantly today... If you do not know right now that if your life was to end that you would be the Lord Jesus in heaven, that is the first thing you need to do. There is no pleasing God ourselves. We must be born again. We must accept the saving work of Christ on the cross for our salvation. We must be cleansed by the blood of Jesus. Only his work on the cross can save us. We need to admit our sinful condition and our need of a saviour to God to receive his eternal gift of salvation that he freely gives. The choice is up to you. You can either die in your sins to eternal damnation or accept his payment for our sins and live in eternal glory with God. Only then will his word then make sense and then the spirit of God indwelling you will help you understand the wonders of his, works, of his word and why we do the things we do as Christians. You then get the peace and the joy that comes with knowing you have eternal security as well and that no man can take away. Make sure that you are saved today because today is a day of salvation. I hope and pray that this message has helped someone today. So I'll now close in prayer. Heavenly Father, your words in your Bible has a way of helping us so much and I'm grateful for them, Lord. I thank you so much for all the great examples that you give us and how to live by faith. I pray, Father, that you would make us tender-hearted. I pray, Lord, that we would see our shortcomings, that we would live by faith like we should, Lord. I pray, Lord, you give us grace to be able to obey you as we should. I pray, Lord, that you would just um, help us, Lord, just to not live our lives independent of you, but just make sure that we're living in sync with your word and doing what you want us to do. Above all, Lord, I pray that if someone here is not saved, who doesn't know you as their Lord and Saviour, I pray, Lord, that they make that right today. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.